This is um, this is a shir on Hanukkah, and it's uh, dedicated by the family of Dr. Chuck Feldman, in memory of an exemplary model of dedication to family, community, and Torah education, as we mark his fifth yurt site on the 26th of Kislev. And I, uh, I knew Dr. Feldman uh, personally, and I can attest, at least in some way, to the fact that this that all of this is true. So I wanted to talk about uh, the meaning, what Hanukkah is, according to the Ramban. What is Hanukkah? Now, when we think about Hanukkah, we, um, you know, you could ask the question. And some people might say it was the military victory. I mean, these I'm talking about positions that are held in Chazal. It's the mil- military victory. If you read Allah Nisim, so there were miracles, but there were also there was this great military victory. Uh, maybe it was a miracle. Maybe it was a miracle, the miracle of the oil. There was only enough oil for something, and the oil burned for, for more than that. The, the, the problem with those uh, answers, the problem with those two answers, which are the answers of Chazal, is that mirif- uh, as far as miracles are concerned, miracles are irrelevant. Miracles are rebellious this in the sense that, well, I mean, there have been much greater miracles than making a little bit of oil last for a long period of time. I mean, why would we celebrate that when we don't celebrate many other miracles that took place and are recorded in the Torah? As far as the military victory is concerned, there are other more significant military victories. For example, Yoshua bin Nun, when he conquered uh, Eretz Canaan, that conquest led to a very long period in history where uh, many good things happened, some things not so good. But you know that the Hashmonaim, the victory of the Hashmonaim, um, which is approximately 135 BCE, <coughs> ended with the destruction of the temple in uh, 70 CE, if I remember correctly. And that means there were about 200 years. Now, those 200 years were not years that we are proud of, necessarily. They were, they were bad years. The kings, the Hashmonaim kings, were bad people who did bad things to their co-religionists. And um, a lot of, uh, first, a lot of Greek influence and then Roman influence. And uh, so I say that it's not so clear what it is that distinguishes, that distinguishes um, Hanukkah from other days of the year, or other days that we might be proud of ourselves. Uh, Daniel Feldman said that he would come tonight. This is uh, Dr. Feldman, Sechron al-Rachah's son, who teaches in Barilan. If anybody wants to go to Barilan. So, Look, so the Ramban's position on Hanukkah is found in the beginning of the parish of Baalotcha in Bamidbar. Bamidbar Naso Baalotcha, the third parasha in Baalotcha. And that parasha begins with this pasuk at the top of the page. By the Be'er Hashem al Moshe Limor, the Be'er al Aharon Vamarta Elav, Baalotcha et Haneirot al Mupneya Menorah, Yairu Shivata Neirot. So you know there's a menorah, 
that's in the Beit HaMikdash. It's in the Kodesh, in the outer room. There are two rooms in the building in the Beit HaMikdash. Two-thirds of the room, or one-third, the one-third back of the room has the Aron Kodesh in it, and that's where the Kohen Gadol goes in on Yom HaKippurim, into that one-third of the, of the room. In the two-thirds of the room, there are a few things. There's the, what's called the Mizbeach HaZahav, the little, um, the little altar on which the Ketoret, the, um, what's the Ketoret? Ah, right. The incense offering is made every day, and there's a menorah, and the menorah is cleaned and lit every night. The Kohen lights it, and then in the morning it burns during the night, and then the next day he does the same thing. He cleans out the, the place where you kept the oil and puts in new oil and a wick and lights it up again. Right? That, it's also, also in that room. Now, Rashi, as we'll see in a minute, but Rashi says that this is a very strange way to present a mitzvah in the Pasuk. Usually a mitzvah is tell our own to do this and this. But this word beha'alotcha, which means and when you get around to lighting the candles, right, then ya'iru be'shivata ne'rod. Of course they will ya'iru, because that's what, that's what it means. You light it, so there is light. There's a kind of, it's hard to understand what the Pasuk, what the intention of the Pasuk exactly is. But Rashi, Rashi understands that this is not a regular kind of mitzvah. This is not a regular kind of mitzvah statement. So Rashi says this. Look at Rashi. Ba'alotcha. Lama nismecha parashat ha-menorah leparashat Lama nismecha. You know that that's a kind of a, an idea that Rashi likes. Rashi likes to find connections between uh, a stream of consciousness, so to speak. The end of the parasha of Naso and the beginning of the parasha of Baha'alotcha. Rashi thinks, except that Rashi doesn't make it up. He never makes up the Lama Nismecha. He only says Lama Nismecha when it's in Chazal. Right? That, that's how Rashi is, but the, the feeling that I always had was that Rashi himself would have liked to do it for every parsha, to show that every parsha is connected to the one that comes before it. There's some kind of stream of consciousness in the Torah, but he only does it when Chazal do it. So here he says, What's the parashat nisiim? It's the parsha that comes before. And what happened in the parasha of the Nisiim? There was Chanukat HaMizbeach. Chanukat HaMizbeach. After the Mishkan, the tabernacle was built, the Nesiyim came, and they did Chanukah. They did, uh, you know, they got it going somehow. They got going. The, so the way they did it was, every day, a different Nasi, a different uh, a regent of a Shevet came and gave all the Korbanot that you could possibly give. Uh, on the Mizbeach. That was, that was what he did. That's called Chanukat HaMizbeach. So, Lefi, Kishet, so now here, uh, uh, Rashi goes and tells us a story. So he says, when Aaron saw 
that the Nesiyim were all bringing all these sacrifices day after day after day. Chal Shadato, he went faint, I guess. I don't know exactly what Chal Shadato is, but you know, he, he expressed his disappointment physically. Chal Shadato. He was unhappy because he did not participate in this event. Neither he, Aaron, nor his tribe, the Kohanim and the Leviim, they did not participate. Chayecha is a word that implies an oath. It's like as though, as though HaKadosh Baruch was taking an oath, which of course, you know, literarily seems a little strange because the word of God is an oath. It's as much of an oath as any oath we could imagine. But that's what the, uh, it's a literary kunz, like very serious, very serious statement. He said to him, don't worry, Aaron, you've got a bigger job than they have because you are going to light the candelabrum in the Beit HaMikdash, in the, in the, in the Mishkan. Mishkan, Beit HaMikdash, the same thing. You're going to light those candles. So Aaron made a mistake. He thought that the Nisim had like some kind of a, a better seat in the Mishkan than he had. HaKadosh Baruch said to him, no, no, you've got a good seat. And your seat is lighting the menorah every single night. Okay? Baha'u'llotcha. Okay, this is not so much connected to our, our topic, but we'll read the Rashi. Al-Shem Why is it called Baha'u'llotcha? And they wrote, you like lift them up. You lift up the candles. Uh, I mean, they weren't candles. They were oil with wicks. Right? Before candles, B.C. Before candles, there were no candles in the world at that time. So, al shem shalavo lev, the flame goes up. lishon aliyah. So somehow the the verb to go up is used when describing the lighting of the candles. Because when you light the candles, you have to wait. Everybody who's lit candles in their lives knows that you can't just light it. You have to wait until it, it catches. You know, if you, if you light it, and then you take away the source of light, it, the candles can go out. So that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi is saying. There's another drasha that comes from Baalotcha, which means when you go up Aaron, that there was a little step, uh, stairs, little ladder, that, and, and you can see in all the pictures, you look at the pictures of the Mishkan, next to the menorah there's a little two-step ladder, so that if the Kohen Gadol was not tall enough, he could go up on the ladder and then light like the menorah. So Bahalotcha either refers to the flame or it refers to the Kohen. That's what, that's what Rashi says. Rashi, Rashi uh, as you know, Rashi doesn't mind that there are two possible interpretations. So there are two possible. It was he, he understands, as Chazal understood, that the more interpretations you have, the deeper you can look into the, into the Pasuk. Like if you, if you didn't have a lot of interpretations, 
it would be much less, much less interesting. As that's the difference between learning an ancient language that has a tradition of interpretation and uh, learning an ancient language that doesn't have a tradition of interpretation. So if you learn, if you, if you read Homer, you can think about it because there's a very wide-ranging tradition of interpretation. If you read Sumerian literature, all you could do is daven mincha. That's nothing you, nothing you can do. So, el mul el mul el mul That's how it's made. It was there are six branches, which are either circular or triangular, as you know. If you Hanukkah, you'll be able to see on the road all the little babacha menorahs are triangular, right? Like this. What? They're all triangular, but we don't know how it was because there's a manuscript of the Rambam's Perush Mishnah, in which there is a line drawing written by somebody, maybe the Rambam, maybe a scribe, maybe a friend, maybe a child in the kindergarten who couldn't write do this, then could only do it. we don't know. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that must be it. So all the Lubavitcher <coughs> menorahs are now triangular, including the ones out in the street. So that's what Rashi said. Rashi doesn't say that, but Rashi says that all of the candles have to point to the middle. So you know if a candle is a cup, and in the cup you put oil, and then you stick a wick into it. Now, you know, they didn't have floating whip wicks like we did. So what they did was they, can you imagine it? A cup, cup, oil, a wick. You see the wick? So you could put, you had to put the, you can't just drop the wick into the, so sometimes there was a slot to put the wick into in a candle that you walked around your house with a candle. But if you didn't have a slot, you just leaned it against the cup. Now, so you could lean it in this side, or in this side, or in this side, or in that side. So the way you did it was, you leaned the wicks in the direction of the middle. They were all faced into, uh, facing into the, into the middle. And then, um, the, um, Rashi makes an interesting point, and that's why I want, to, I want you to see this. Ya'ir shivata nirot. Nirot. You see the last phrase in the Rashi? Shisha shal sheshet hakanim. The six, there were seven candles in the Beit HaMikdash. Three on one side, three on the other side, one in the middle. Right? Seven. Not like a Hanukkah menorah, which to the best of my recollection has eight on the eighth night. Right? Eight. But in the Beit HaMikdash, there were seven. You have to remember that there were seven. So that, according to Rashi, the three on this side, three over here, the wicks face the middle. And the three on this side, the wicks face the middle. So these three and these three face in the opposite direction. So the question Rashi asks is, why? What's the difference to us how the wicks, how the wicks were placed in the menorah? So Rashi has an answer. Velama, you see Rashi? 
כדי שלא יאמרו לאורך הוא צריך. So that means, in order that you should not say that we need the light from the menorah, but it's absolutely a, a very curious idea. We light the menorah, but we don't need the light of the menorah. How do I know I don't need the light of the menorah? Because if I needed the light of the menorah, I would bring in a lighting expert who would tell me how to put the wicks so that I get maximum light. I put this one over here and that one over facing this way and the other one facing that way. So I get the maximum light in the room. But I don't want the maximum light. I don't want that. So I want all the light to be concentrated on one point, which according to Rashi, is an inefficient way of lighting the menorah. And since it's an inefficient way of lighting the menorah, what do I get? People should understand that the menorah represents a mitzvah, right? You have to do it, and they shouldn't think that you're lighting the menorah in order to have light in that room, which is called the Kodesh of the Beit HaMishkan, or the Beit HaMikdash, or the Mishkan. Of course, this all strikes us as being a little odd. Uh, let's, let me rephrase that. This strikes me as being a little odd because there was nobody in the Beit HaMikdash all night long. What difference could it possibly have made to light the lights in this direction or in that direction or in another direction? There was no one for whom this menorah served as a source of light. Ever the coin, the coin who lit the menorah lit the menorah and he left. He's gone. And no one showed up until the next, the next morning. So that's an interesting point that Rashi makes, and another interesting point that we don't understand. All the other questions are in the Ramban. So if you look at the Ramban, Ba'alot Chak. Lama nismicha parashat menorah lechanukata nisiyim. Here the Ramban quotes Rashi, right? Right, if you look at the end of that paragraph, five lines down, it says Lashon Rashi, he quotes Rashi. We just read Rashi. This is a quote of Rashi. Now here's the Ramban. Lo li. I don't understand. It's not clear to me. Lama nechamo nerot. He says, if it's true that he was so unhappy, Aaron was so unhappy because he didn't participate, that he was unhappy because he didn't participate, Lama nechamo nerot. So why did God say to him, I'll give you a good deal, you'll light candles? What's one thing got to do with the other, the Ramban says? If he's unhappy about the, the sacrifices, he's still going to be unhappy after God tells him that he can light the candles. And he didn't say to him, no, you're going you're gonna to be in charge of the incense, the ketoret, bokev, erev, every day. They had two sacrifices of incense that the Kohen was in charge of, but which the Pasuk itself says, that this is something that distinguishes Am Yisrael. They are the ones with the Ketoret. He could have said to him, well, you're, you're in charge of all the sacrifices. You're not just in charge of this one day of, uh, of, the, of the Nesiyim and all of the, the sacrifices that have to do with, uh, with wheat, right, making, making uh, you know, uh, uh, 
what do you call them, blintzes, Bavodat Yom HaKippurim, and the Kohen is the Kadol, is the only one who goes into the Kodesh Kadashim. HaKodesh Bokhara told them all of these things. They said, what are, you, what are you so unhappy about, Aaron? You're the guy in charge. You do this, you do that, you do the other thing. What are you unhappy about? She'ena Kesheira Elabo. And Yom HaKippurim, he's the only one who's allowed to go into the Kodesh Kadashim. Nichnas Lefnaid Lefnim. Vishehu Kadosh Hashem Omeid he is Kodesh Hashem. What's Kodesh Hashem? What was written on the tzitz. It's like it's his name. He's designated as the, the Holy One of God. He, the Kohen Gadol. So, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that, reminded him about all of these things. And what is it that, that Hanukkah Mizbech? It's a one day event. It passes. It's gone. It doesn't come back again. All these things that the Kohen Gadol does, that the Ramban listed, he does again and again and again. He's the person who remains more or less in charge of the of the code of the Beit Hamikdash of the the, the, the Mishkan. It's tribe, the tribe of Levi and the Kohanim. They're all serving God. They're all serving God. The old Matam So what reason could he have possibly had to kind of faint away when he heard what was going on? His sacrifice is even greater than the sacrifice of the Nisiim, the sacrifice that the that the, uh, the, the the princes brought for each for each tribe. There were many korbanot that were brought in those days. In all of the days that Moshe Rabbeinu set up the Mishkan, he put it up and he took it down, and he put it up and he took it down for eight days. And each one of those eight days, he brought korbanot. He brought korbanot. The Bizarin Akohen brought those korbanot. Vim Tomar. Vim Tomar. If you will say, if you will say, If you say, well, those were obligatory, and he, Aaron, was commanded to bring them. And if you'll say that what really upset Aaron Cohen was that the Nisim brought extraordinary extraordinary sacrifices. That's called a nidava. A nidava is a... What's a nidava? A what? Oh, uh, yeah, like a... It's like you give a donation. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to. They wanted to do it, so they did it. So maybe that's what he was annoyed about. So the Ramban said, look, that might be a good question. That might be really what Aaron fainted about. Because they were all doing things on their own. Their own initiative. They wanted to do it. So that's why he fainted away. But after all, according to the story that Rashi tells, HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
consoled Aaron by telling him about Hadlakat Anerot. Hadlakat Anerot is also a mitzvah. It's not, a, it's not optional. It's not something that you can just bring on your own. So if it were true that what Aaron Cohen fainted about was the fact that he didn't bring optional korbanot, well, what sort of response is there that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, here, is, here are the candles. The candles are also obligatory. So even though the Ramban admits that this might have been a reason for, the, for, for Aaron's response, it doesn't make sense in the context of the mitzvah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu offered him and said, you're going to get Hadlakat HaNerot. Believe me, we're going to get to uh, Hanukkah. I know it doesn't seem that way, but we're now going to go helter-skelter <laughs> into Hanukkah. It is the Ramban is taking this story that's told in rabbinic literature, taking it very seriously. And he's saying, the meaning of it, the purpose of it, the intention of it. Al Hanukkah shall neirot, Al Hanukkah shall neirot, Shaita bebayit sheni, Al yidei Aaron abanab. This is a reference to the neirot, to the candles that were lit by Aaron ubanav in bayit sheni. Now, if you if you have trouble figuring out what he's talking about, so he says, with sonilomar. See those words? Because what I mean to say, I mean to say, Kohen Gadol Remember Chashmonai? Right? Matityao, Chashmonai, that was his name, his family name, something like that. But the word Chashmonai takes you to Hanukkah. There's no other possible point that he might be pointing to. So it's like HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Ba'alot Chata Neirot. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Aaron, Ba'alot Chata Neirot. But he's not talking about the Neirot in the Mishkan, or even the Neirot in the Beit HaMikdash. He was talking about Ba'alot when you proxy, your proxies, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, at the time of the Chashmonaim, there's going to be some kind of an issue that is connected to Neirot, and they, are going to do something. They're going to do something. They're going to light the candles. They are going to light the candles. And then the Rabban says, but I need more. I have to elucidate this further. And he says, There's a book called, it's quoted in several places. We don't have the book. But somebody collected all the places where the Megillat Sitarim is quoted. And sort of made a book out of quotes. You know, they're like books like that, where you don't have the original book, but you have a book of quotes of the original. So uh, the book is called Megillat Sitarim. He quotes it, Mitzatiya, Megillat Sitarim. So he seems to have had the book, the Rabbeinu Nisim, Sheskir Hagada Hazove Amar. He mentioned this story that Rashi brings. He was a contemporary of Rashi's, Rabbeinu Nisim was like a contemporary of Rashi. He mentions the story, and then he explains. He explains. Medrash. I saw in the Medrash. 
that all the 12 tribes brought the sacrifices day after day, but B'nai Levi did not bring these sacrifices. said to Moshe, I want you to pacify Aaron. I want you to tell him something. I want you to speak to him. Yesh Chanukah Acheret. Chanukah. What does the word Chanukah mean? Dedication. Well, dedication. So what dedication is in the Chumash? The dedication of the Mizbeach. Right? Remember. And so HaKadosh Baruch said to Aaron, Yesh Chanukah Acheret. There's another dedication of the Mizbeach. Another startup. A new start for the Mizbeach. And when is that? She Yesh Bahadlakat Haneirot where there's going to be the lighting of the candles. And that day, at that time, because of the action of your sons, your son, grandson, great-grandson, right, as many generations it takes to get there, Nisim Uchua. Miracles and salvation, the Chanukah Shekruya Al Shmam. That there's going to be another Chanukah. There's going to be a Chanukah in the world that's going to be very impressive and very important, and that's yours. He said to Aaron Akoin. This is what the Rabbeinu Nisim writes in the Megillat Starim, explaining this Medrash, which was quoted by a little bit by Rashi and more extensively by the Ramban and commentary by Rabbeinu Nisim so it turns out that what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Aaron Akoin was don't fret I like that word you have a, you're going to be a, a more your notoriety will be a lot greater than the than the uh, Nisim because they're doing Chanukah Mizbech, it's like just sitting there, the Mizbech. Oh, it's a Mizbech. But you are going to create something that is totally new, and that demands a little bit more of explanation. So he says, Therefore, the the parasha of Nisiyim and the Mizbech in Parashat Naso and the parasha at the beginning of Balot come next to each other because there was really a conversation. As a result of the conversation, HaKadosh Baruch said to Aaron HaKoyim, you light the candles now, but you should know that this is going to become a big deal in the future. What the big deal is, we don't know. Because we started out this year, I said, I don't know exactly what we're supposed to celebrate on Hanukkah. And what exactly is HaKadosh Baruch saying to Aaron, Aaron HaKoyim? We're still in the Ramban. Right? The Ramban says, I saw in the Medrash called Yelamdeinu, which we call usually Tanchuma, which is a Medrash Agadan Chamisha Chum Torah. A Medrash Agadan Chamisha Chum Torah. You can buy it. You can get it online. You can dream about it. Tanchuma. Tanchuma is the name of a Tana. That's why it's called Tanchuma. They were not so imaginative with names. But Tanchuma is the opening statement in the Tanchuma. So it's called Tanchuma. The Chaim be Medrash Rabbah. Medrash Rabbah is the big Medrash on the Chamish Chum Torah and the Chamesh Megillot. Medrash Rabbah. Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
And the Kodesh Baruch Hu said again to Moshe Rabbeinu Lechem Ola Aaron, Al titiarei legedola mizot atamuchan. Do not fear Aaron. You are going to be getting something even greater than what you perceive the Nisi'im are getting. Hekorbenot, kolzman shebeit hamikdash kayam, heim no hagi. Korbanot are only uh, a function of the Beit HaMikdash. You need a Beit HaMikdash in order to have Korbanot. Aval haneirot lo'olam elmul penei ha-menorah ya'iru. But the neirot are forever. Now what could that possibly mean? V'chol ha-brachot shenatati l'chal evrechet b'nei et b'nai the same thing is true about Birkat Kohanim, even though it's not written in the Chumash. But in the Medrash it says, the Kohanim, like well, that's our Minog in Eretz Yisrael. Chutzlaretz is a different, uh, different situation, but in Eretz Yisrael the Minog is that the Kohanim, Duchen, Olim, Laduchan, every day, forever. They're just going to be doing that. V'inei Davaya Dua. Because everybody knows that if the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, so there are no Korbanot. Yes, that's true, but there's also no, no Neirot. There's no Menorah. Right? The Menorah disappears. So rather Ramban says, Avalo Ramzu so the only thing from the Beit HaMikdash that continues to exist, is I'm telling you what the Ramban says, I'm not telling you, uh, it's not political. The Ramban says, the only thing from the Beit HaMikdash that is, remains when the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed Begalutenu, he says in our diaspora, but even Eretz Yisrael, he meant the same thing, is, is the ne'er, is the ne'er. That's all there is. So what ne'er is he talking about? He's talking about the ne'er of Hanukkah. So he says that the ne'er of Hanukkah somehow takes the place of the ne'er in the Beit HaMikdash. That's what, that's what he says. Okay, so that's what he says. So those two things, those two things are forever. The menorah and the and the birkat uh, But it's like not so easy to understand. Still not easy to understand because you know that it, because we wanted to to put the nace of Hanukkah into the menorah, we ended up with a menorah of eight kanim, eight candles. And that, we only light one night of Hanukkah, the last night of Hanukkah, according to the minhag that we have adopted, even though it was a machlokas at the time of the Gemara, but we adopted one, two, three, and not, not eight, seven, six. But it's only one day that all of the lights are there, but on that one day, there are, it's the wrong number. It's eight. It's not the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash is seven. And also, also, it's just one week a year. I mean, eight days. One week a year, the Beit HaMikdash, it was every day. It was every day. And, and besides, 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 
if Aaron HaKohen was upset about the fact that the Nesiyim are bringing many korbanot, uh, why does it make him happy? I mean, like a Kaddish Rav says, to, well, if you, you know, just have patience and wait the 800 years, everything will work out. I mean, what was, what was the offer? You know, like, like, why was Aaron supposed to be happy now that he was out happy before? So there's one more Ramban that we have to look at. The rest of the Ramban is just the Ramban on different topics. So, so in the previous parak, in the parish of Nassau, there are psukim that describe the sacrifices that were brought by the Nisiyim. And one pasuk is Korbanoka, Kesavachat, etc. You know, in, in other words, it describes the Korbanot in several psukim. The Ramban, <coughs> on all of the material at the end of the parish of Nassau, has one comment. Just one comment. And we're going to read that one comment together, and you'll see that the Ramban actually explained everything. Solet bululab hashemed lemimchas. Right, solet is fine flour mixed in with oil lemincha for a mincha offering, a meal, meal offering. What's meal? Like it's like something. You ever go to the store and say, "Give me meal," you get something. You don't get a thing. Grain, I understand, but it's called a meal offering because we're under the influence of like a 16th century translation of the... Cornmeal. Cornmeal, you still say that? You can buy it? Yeah? Okay, thank you. Like oatmeal. Oatmeal, is that what it is? That kind of meal? Think of the word oatmeal. It's kind of meal. I see more involvement in this point than in anything else I've mentioned today. That's right. <laughs> so, so listen. Breakfast. Listen to the Ramban. This is a wonderful Ramban. If, if you re- want to remember one Ramban in your life, this is it. This is it. Chinchu et How did the princes do this dedication process on the Mizbeach? Bekol haminim hakrevim Very simple. They brought every possible korban. There are many korbanot, and they brought all the different kinds of korbanot, like alkein heviyu mincha, ukitoret, meal offering, and incense offering, and olah, and a burnt offering, and a chatat. A chatat is a sin offering, and shlamim is like anything else that's left over, all kinds of korbanot. So he says, he says, let's talk about first the, the chatat. He's like the rabban says, how can they bring a korban chatat? Korban chatat means somebody sinned. You can't just bring a korban chatat. You can't bring a korban that doesn't exist. A chatat means that somebody had to bring a korban chatat. But if you didn't have to bring a korban chatat, what makes it into a korban chatat? No? This like a, I see the reactions are limited. Is you can't bring a korban chatat. Not talking about it. You may be doing something wrong, but you can't bring a. It's not a. It's not a korban chatat. 
What makes it into a korban khatat is that the person who brings it has to bring it. But if the person who brings it, sadik yisodolam, it's not a korban khatat. It's something else. I mean, it looks like something else. And he says it's a khatat, but it's not. So the Ramban says, you can't bring either of them. The ketoret goes with the tamid, the, with, the, with the sacrifice that's brought in the morning. Otherwise, you can't, you can't make a ketoret. It doesn't work. So he says, What is horacha'ah? is an, abri- an abrogation of the halachic requirement. For, 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 for a moment. It was the moment demands an abrogation. So the example that everybody knows is Eliyahu Bahara Carmel. Eliyahu Anavi was confronted the prophets of Baal. And like he had a Mizbech and they had a Mizbech. It was like a reality show, right? And, and they said, you know, blah, 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 blah. Nothing happened. And uh, Eliyahu Navi said, da, 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 da. And fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Everybody understood that Eliyahu, <coughs> representing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, wins. And the Baal lost. So the Gehesa and the Gemara, they said, but how did he do it? Because everybody knows that after the Beit HaMikdash was built, you were not allowed to sacrifice outside of the Beit HaMikdash. So how did he do it? So the answer is, Horat Sha'a. Sometimes you have to do something that is extraordinary, out of the box, not connected to the halacha, in order to save the situation. And that's what Eliyahu did. So along comes the Rambam. And he calls this Hora'acha. He says, they brought a chatat, and they brought a ketoret, and they said, poof, you're a chatat, and poof, you're a ketoret, and that's the way it is. And that was Hora'acha. It was not halachically reasonable, but it was acceptable in the context of the moment. There was a hara'acha'a, you can't bring a chatat as a donation. You have to be obliged to bring it, but as a hara'acha'a, you can do anything. zulati that's a chatat and hasham are the same thing. So they brought all of these sacrifices and the chatat and the were a hara'at a, Listen to this. So they did something, the nisi'im did something extraordinary. Yes? What was the extraordinary thing that they did? They brought a chatat and they brought a ketoret. How did they get away with that? That's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban says. It was like, and then the Ramban goes on. Listen to this. Lefikach, Lefikach, Vehinei, I'm sorry. Vehinei, it's the last word on the first long line. Vehinei, Hashem HaNechbad, Iskim Aldat HaNesiim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed with what the Nesiyim did. What did they do? They brought Karbanot that are halachically uh, unacceptable. And they became acceptable for the moment. They became acceptable for the moment. HaNechbad iskim al data Nesiyim v'tziva Nesiyechad liyom nakrivu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, great idea. 
Everyone take, take a day. And everybody will bring a chatat and a ktoret. And it may be, the Ramban says, that this idea that was generated by the Nisi'im was actually converted into a mitzvah. And what would be the test of whether it's a mitzvah or not? When they had the next Chanukah Tamizbeach and the third Chanukah Tamizbeach, when was the next Chanukah Tamizbeach? The Beit Hamikdash of Shlomo Amelech. When was the one after that? The next Chanukah Tamizbeach, the Beit Hamikdash that was built by Ezra and Nehemiah, right? That that Beit Hamikdash. So so Rashi, Rabban says the Ktiv in Ezra, Rabdu and Yisrael Chanaya. I missed the pasuk, right? Shlomo Right? That's what Shlomo Amelech did, So Shlomo Amelech did Chanukah in his time. What was Chanukah What the Nisim did in the desert? He did the same thing. That's what, at least, that's what the Ramban. What the Ramban thinks he, he did. Chanukah meaning the dedication of the Mizbeach. That all the people who came from the diasporas and they all made, they dedicated the Mizbeach. So what does the Ramban say? What does dedicated the Mizbeach mean? The same way that the Nisim did it in the desert. That's how they dedicated it. So you see, at least according to the Ramban, you see, uh, and then he says, V'chemi Mota Mashiach. I'm sorry, one more line. V'chemi Mota Mashiach, also in the Messianic era, which is described in Yechezkel. Shivat Yamim Yechpuru Eta Mizbech, V'tiyaru Otom Elyu Yadav, V'yechlu Eta Yamim, V'yab Biyom HaShmini, V'halo Yasu HaKoronim Ala Mizbech, Eto Lotem V'etzal Mechem, so in that pasuk in Yechezkel, which is talking about the Bayit, the Beit HaMikdash, which will be built in the future, there's also mention of Chanukah Tamizbech. Therefore the Rabban comes to the conclusion that what the, the Siim did was not that they brought Korbanot and, and, and Aaron was excluded, but what they did was they wrote the Torah. There was something about the Torah that they wrote. There was, there was a Horat was they said, we're going to do something that is not written in the Torah, that is not part of the accepted halakha, the known halakha to us. And HaKadosh Baruch said, wonderful. It was great that you did it. It was so great that it's going to become the halakha. And the Ramban says, this pasuk and that pasuk proves that in the time of Shlomo Amel, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash of Ezra, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash to come, there will always be Chanukat HaMizbeach, the way that the Nisiyim did it. So now we go back and, and tell the story over again. We have to tell the story. You tell the story over again. The, the, uh, have a good trip. Oh, you're not going to America now. See you tomorrow. <laughs> He's going to America. Not now.
Uh, Aaron HaKohen saw what was going on. And he understood, he understood that they had done something that he had no way of, of, of emulating. He couldn't do that. They did it somehow, according to the Ramban. They created a mitzvah in the Torah. They created a mitzvah in the Torah which didn't exist and which, according to the Ramban, is going to repeat it again and again. And finally, in the Beit HaMikdash, that Yechezkel was talking about the third Beit HaMikdash. That's so Aaron He went into a catatonic withdrawal. He said, here I am. I'm in charge of everything. I'm doing everything. He knew that he was doing everything. And I, went, I was not able to perceive this need and to create, to create new Torah. I wasn't able to do that. What you're doing, what you're going to do, is much greater than what they are going to do. Because the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash is the only thing that Am Yisrael cannot do without. Because we know it by our experience. We don't have a Beit HaMikdash. We don't have Korbanot. We don't have a way of Tumavatara, but we are able to maintain. We're able to daven, we're able to stand before God, we're able, to, we're able to do all of these things. But it must be the menorah that actually will keep us going, because what is the menorah? I mentioned it, I mentioned it on Shabbat, Shabbos. We always say, Ner mitzvah, Vitorah or very well-known pasuk in Mishle. What does Ner Mitzvah mean? It means that the, the lehava, the flame of the candle, is more or less fixed. And that's what a mitzvah is. It's something that you do. It has a beginning and it has an end. And it has a right way of doing it. So Ner is the mashal of mitzvah. A mitzvah is a Ner. But Torah is Or. Or is a special kind of thing in the, in the physical world. It, it takes up all the space. If you let it out, it'll just keep going forever. It never stops. So I remember that there's a Torah of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, or the Sicha Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said this. He said, when Shlomo HaMelech built the Beit HaMikdash, the windows in the Kodesh part, you know, where the menorah was, were in the Tanakh it says shkufim atumim, right? Shkufim atumim means narrow on the inside and wide on the other side. In, in, in England, when they built uh, forts, even in Eretz Yisrael, they called them taggart forts. I'm not sure why. But taggart forts were, you know, the guy with the bow and the arrow could stand inside. It would be very hard to hit him because you couldn't see him too well. But he could see out, because his window was a slit. But the outside, it was pretty wide, and he was able to see the, the, the enemy. So that the mashal is, that the light of the menorah, the light of the menorah, which was, as Rashi said, not there to light up the room in which the menorah was, but to spread the light 
throughout the world. So of course if you're going to spread the light throughout the world, you're not going to want the candles to be in different kind of places. You want them to get the maximum light as you have all the candles put together in the same place. That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. So the light of the menorah goes out every night all over the world. And since the light of the menorah is the, the thing that represents in the physical world, represents Torah, that's what Torah is. Like you can look at it, look at it again, and do it again, and do it over again. And, and that's the nature, that's the nature of Torah. You never get to a, to a pshat, which is absolute, absolutely determined. It's always, it's always a, a work in progress. It's always a work in progress, figuring out what, what it says. So, uh, so HaKadosh Baruch said to Aaron HaKohen, Shalcha G'dola Mishalahem. They're doing this, uh, this uh, 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 thing with the, with the Korbanot. And yes, they, are, they created a halacha. They created a halacha. And they added something to Torah or I'm sorry, they added something to Ner Mitzvah. Ner Mitzvah is a mitzvah. They added a mitzvah. But really, you have to understand that B'nai Yisrael are not going to be able to live without Torah or the Beit HaMikdash will be destroyed, there won't be any Korbanot, there won't be any Mincha, there won't be Chatat, and all of that is bearable. But not to have Torah or, that's unbearable. And so the fact that the Torah or exists, even though the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash has become uh, fallen into disuse, there is no menorah of the, of the Beit HaMikdash, that is, is something that Hanukkah reminds us of. It recreates the light that goes outside. And that's why the essential mitzvah of, of Hadlakat, they wrote, is Pirsume Nisa. Pirsume Nisa means educate, teach, go. And you always wonder, like here you are in Yerushalayim, everybody knows uh, that it's Hanukkah, right? Either because your kids are not going to school, or because uh, they were said it on the radio, or because they're selling Sukhaniyot. I mean, what's the Pirsume Nisa? There's no, but the Pirsume Nisa is, is that you have to teach the Or. That's the Pirsume Nisa. You have to spread the light. Spreading the light refers to teaching the Torah. And in fact, it turned out, it turned out that Am Yisrael continued to exist because they understood that the Torah could do it. They would be able to maintain themselves through, uh, through the Torah. So it happened that whoever, whoever grabbed onto the Torah very strong or remained, and whoever was not willing to do that probably did not, uh, did not remain so much. So because they are a function, what they said, their, to, their ner mitzvah is a function of the existence of the Beit HaMikdash. But your Torah or exists even when the Beit HaMikdash will disappear and in fact will represent the, the, the existence, the continued existence of Am Yisrael. So I said at the beginning, I said, I wonder what it is that uh, they're supposed to celebrate on Hanukkah. And uh, I said, well, look at the Ramban. We'll see what the Ramban says uh, that we should celebrate. I think what the Ramban says we should celebrate is Torah Or. And the Hanukkiah that we light, that we put it, uh, originally we put it on the, 
outside of our houses in a way that it would light up every place in the city because we know today that that's the nature of light, right? You know, everybody knows that much physics that if you, if you put a light in your courtyard, it spreads, I mean, you don't always see it, but it spreads forever. Like with you, when people uh, say, uh, how far is that cloud? I mean, I'm sorry, how far is that star? I mean, if you ever, ever studied uh, physics or, uh, you know, something, and that comes up, everybody in, in, in school hears this idea. So the number of light years away that that star is, is, is inconceivable. Like, you can't even imagine. Like, I can imagine a kilometer, 10 kilometers, 100 kilometers, 1,000, but I can't imagine the number that they tell me represents the distance between us and that star. So that's the nature of light. And well, it takes years and years for the light to get from the star to me. It's also like mind-boggling that light has no, there's no limit on light. And so that the, the, the idea that Torah or, that Torah or is, is like very profound, it turns out. I don't know if uh, when Shlomo Melch wrote the puzzle whether it's not physics or not. That I don't know. But it's like this feeling that people have that light is special. It's not like other things in the physical, in the physical world. So that the celebration of Hanukkah actually turned out to be the celebration of that which is going to maintain Am Yisrael in difficult times. Because 200 years, for 200 years there was an unhappy situation in Eretz Yisrael, then the Churban Beit HaMikdash, and since that time we, like, we're wandering around in one diaspora after the other, but the light of the Torah manages to glue us together somehow. We remain, we remain, uh, you know, Am Yisrael because of the Torah, so that Aaron, and Aaron gets the credit for that, because B'nai Yisrael, because the Chashmonaim, they went to purify the, the Beit HaMikdash, right? So the immediacy, they had to do it. They could have waited the eight days until the oil, they didn't have to light the menorah right away. But they felt somehow that not having the light of the menorah, even if they were taking a chance, and they weren't sure that they would have oil for day two, right? They weren't certain about that, but not to light the, the menorah when they could light the menorah, ran against their grain somehow. It was not something that they were able to, uh, to, actu to actualize and to, to do. So they lit the menorah right away. And HaKadosh Baruch responded with the miracle. But that's not as important as the idea that they lit the menorah. They lit the menorah, they said, B'nai Yisrael can't do without this menorah. And even if we won't get the oil in time, we have to light the menorah, we have to light the menorah anyway. So that Chanukah, Chanukah became the, the holiday that represents the continued existence of Am Yisrael as Am Yisrael. That's what happened. That's what happened on Chanukah, because forever, after everybody understood that that light that represents the Torah, and that's the, the light of the Chanukiah, you know, the Chanukiah, you're not allowed to use it for it's just like the light in the Beit HaMikdash. You can't count your change with the, at the Chanukiah, you can't use it, you can't use it for anything because it has a very obvious purpose of Pirsume Niso, but it's not the nace necessarily of a little bit of oil going a long way. 
It's the nace of the continued existence of Am Yisrael when the Beit HaMikdash no longer, no longer exists. Have a uh, good Shabbos.